Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Following is a presentation of KSL Sports. Hello, Cougar Nation. Hand off middle. First down. Touchdown! And listen to the Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, we break down the Cougars' last game and look ahead to next week. Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Here's BYU insider Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Good evening, Cougar Nation. What a big win for BYU football over the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're breaking it down over the next hour, taking your phone calls and getting your reaction as the Cougs improved to 3-0 on the season. I'm Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte with me. We host Cougar Sports Saturday every single weekend from noon to 3. And then, of course, here every Saturday or every Monday night here during the football season 6-7. to Matt, that was a big win for BYU. That was the craziest football game I've ever seen with my own eyes. I'm not – look, there's probably been crazier games. I'm not that old. I haven't seen as much football as other people, but – the momentum swings in that game were crazy. To be down so big, so fast, to fight back, find yourself down double digits again, fight back again, then the madness at the end of the game, it was absolutely nuts. And we want to hear from you, Cougar fans. 801-575-8255. Let us know your thoughts on the game. What, like, where, How did you think BYU was able to pull that out? Who impressed you? And then also call in and let us know, does this reset your expectations for how they'll play fair in the Big 12, Mitch, because beating Arkansas on the road is, uh, it's, this isn't a Sam Houston or SUU. This was a big win. Uh, where do you think BYU will finish in Big 12 standings? Now, could they be in the top five? Call us 801-575-8255. We got to get to our takeaways from that big win over the Hogs. Cougar Nation, takeaways. Mitch and Matt analyze BYU's last week of play and what it means for the next week. Takeaway number one. Jay Hill's defense is remarkably improved from the group that you saw a year ago from BYU. Remember last year, BYU couldn't get K.J. Differson down at all. BYU gave up 52 points last year, 644 yards. This year, they gave up stats. They gave up 31 points still, but, or 21, 24 points if you take away the special teams touchdown. BYU's defense seized the momentum, seized the opportunities, and made the most of this performance, and they are trending up. I mean, this, this BYU team defensively is, is looking really good. That was really impressive, and i got to give some credit to you, Mitch, your bold prediction from extended pregame. You had three sacks. They had more than three sacks. So they provided tremendous pressure on the defense. Sam Pittman noted that the pressure on K.J. Jefferson was the difference in the football game. They forced turnovers. They got off to the quarterback. They were multiple. Uh, At no point in that game did I feel like, oh, it's predictable. They're stuck doing one thing. They brought the blitz in key moments. They dropped back in key moments. You think about that Max Tooley interception. It it was – Jay Hill mixed it up tremendously. Like, I don't think we can begin to highlight how much of improvement this defensive staff is from a year ago. And in that Arkansas game, it was well on display. 
that this group is much improved. Earlier today, Tyler Batty earned Defensive Player of the Week in the Big 12 Conference from his play. He had a career-high nine tackles, one and a half sacks, a fumble recovery, a forced fumble. That fumble recovery came late after an Eddie Heckard blitz. How great was that? Eddie Heckard in the nickel spot, transfer from Weber State, just fits perfectly in Jay Hill's defense. He did that at Weber State, and he comes in with the corner blitz. That was a sight to see that we haven't seen much of the past few years. And BYU's defense, they are aggressive. They're living up to it. I thought they were physically uh, very good in the trenches, the defensive line, getting a four-man rush when Arkansas was probably expecting a lot of exotic blitzes. They brought those, sure, but consistently BYU's defensive line won the night, and they were more physical than Arkansas, which is quite the impressive statement because Arkansas prides itself on being a physical football team in the trenches. Takeaway number two, Mitch, this BYU team, uh, at various moments in this game, could have folded, and that happened fairly significantly in 2022 where there were moments in games, I think about that Liberty game, where they started strong, hit some adversity, folded, and it got away from them. That happened too often in 2022. This team, though, resilient, backs against the wall mentality, finding a way when things were difficult. You got to love the resilient nature of this BOU football team. And here's what the head ball coach, Kalani Satake, said about overcoming that early deficit. You have to just roll with it. There's, there's way more time to play. I, I would have to say, when, when did they score those? It was early in the game, too, right? So uh, those scores came at, like, you know, 13-21 and 11-29. So it was like, there's a lot more football to play. You know, it, even when we went up by seven, I was looking at the clock, and I'm like, oh, man, it's eight minutes. I wish it just would just run down to zero already and didn't know that it would. we had our opportunities to win the game and probably put it away, but it took every second. Um, and that's a huge credit to, to Arkansas, you know, but uh, I had the credit our guys for the resilience, the belief in each other, and, and just not not giving up. It was awesome that they were able to do that. And the sound was a little – look, we were in a, basically a closet in uh, Donald uh, Reynolds Razorback Stadium, so a little echo there in the postgame sound. But, man, really, really impressive that they were able to fight back. That 14-0, it felt like an avalanche. And, and that punt return too, Mitch, I, I was re-watching the game today – they had four dudes right there, and that guy just shot the gap, went to the house, and he just the fans are going crazy. You, if the offense doesn't respond on that next possession, you just wonder what happens. But they were able to respond and stay in the football game. Tip of the cap to them. How big was a player like Max Tooley with that big interception that he had? I mean, just any time that BYU felt like the game was getting away from them, they made a play to capture the momentum back, and that, that was a great sign for this team because I'll be honest, this – game was not a thing of beauty offensively. BYU was very fortunate to come away with a win. I don't come away from this game thinking BYU's offense is just this fully polished product where they're ready to become the Big 12 champion. There was some issues there, but they did enough and they capitalized on that momentum and that takes us to takeaway number three. The young players for BYU rose up to the occasion. LJ Martin, Parker Kingston, they made their presence felt in this game, and both of which had huge touchdowns. Parker Kingston was unbelievable in that game, and he, he, I think he's earned more playing time because he had numerous plays, Mitch, that changed that football game. You talk about seizing momentum and, and changing the script. Down 14-0, you have that big punt return that gets a little life back into the team. A few plays later, he throws the touchdown pass on the special. Boom, they're on the board. They're back in it. 
Then, after the Thule interception, he takes a screen pass to the house, tying the football game. And then on the ensuing offensive drive, third and ten, you're pinned deep in your own territory. He breaks a tackle, keeps the chains alive. That turns into the Chase Roberts touchdown. Parker Kingston's fingerprints were all over this football game. It was really impressive. Former high school quarterback at Roy High, he replaced Jackson Dart in high school, and he he really didn't play much wide receiver at all during his football career until he got to BYU, but Fessy Satake loved how fluid of an athlete he is. He's all-time uh, top three in fastest track athletes in the history of, of the state of Utah. Just a burner, but yet it, he's made a, found a way to make some plays in creative fashion, and yes, you're right. He has earned the chance for more playing time. L.J. Martin, I thought, was very good, too. Yep. He had a 75-yard uh, night, 45 of which came on a touchdown run for him right after Arkansas shanked that 10-yard punt. Aaron Roderick calls up a play that allows for L.J. Martin to make a big play, and he captured the momentum for BYU. L.J. Martin becoming the starter for BYU, we knew that going in, but what was noteworthy is that Aiden Robbins didn't play at all in the game. Earlier today, Kalani Satake insinuated maybe that Robbins might not be healthy. A lot of them are going through some injury issues, which is making it hard for them to compete every week and be the starter. Whether you're banged up or not, we have to do the right thing, and that's play the guys that give us the best chance to succeed. So we have a number of players. They're not hurt enough where they can't participate or contribute, but they're also not at 100%. And so someone at lesser than 100% might not be as good as someone else at 100%. I think that's where Aiden falls into that. Very interesting commentary from Kalani because last week, Aaron Roderick, when asked why he's going with LJ, he said he's breaking more tackles. There was no nothing brought up about injury. Right. Deion Smith was the second player off the bench for BYU at the running back spot. It's a crazy turn of events because a couple weeks ago, a month ago, we were on the same program, and I know I was just so excited for Aiden Robbins, but just hasn't worked, whereas LJ Martin, uh, he's captured the momentum. And I think also there's a lot more urgency now. When you're in a Power 5 conference, you have to find a way to capture wins. And getting this breakthrough against Arkansas, I feel pretty good about BYU's chances of definitely going, going to a bowl game. Now it becomes a question of can you get in that upper tier of the league? And that's one of our questions tonight. Can BYU finish in the top five in the Big 12? Because I'll tell you, folks, the Big 12 doesn't look good right now. It's a, it's The back half of the league is bad at the moment. So there might be some opportunity for BYU to make some, some waves in this league. I want to hear your thoughts 801-575-8255. You can call in, jam up the phone lines, and we'll also get to your text, 57500. Speaking of injuries, it was nice to see Cody Epps back against Arkansas. And right now, we got a question on the phone line. Carter from Idaho, you got some thoughts on the wide receiver group. Even though Parker Kingston played well, what do you got, Carter? All right, thanks for having me on. And no problem. Um, my main question is, it seems even though Epps and Hill were both out there and healthy, it seemed like they were more out there as decoys than anything else. Do you expect for them to kind of get more playing time and more focus in the offense this upcoming week? Thanks for the call. I don't expect Cody Epps to get more playing time, honestly, because he's not fully healthy. And I think BYU is moving forward with Darius Lassiter, Chase Roberts, and also Keelan Marion. He had that big grab 37-yarder. That was kind of his big triumphant appearance for BYU. The first two weeks were kind of quiet. I think BYU feels pretty good that they've got four or five other guys that Cody Epps might not be mandatory for their success. Now they want to have him because he's got a strong relationship with Keaton Slovis, but 
I think they feel pretty good moving forward that if Cody's not a full go and he's still dealing with the hamstring, that they'll continue to give snaps to other places. I mean, that one target, the first one he had, that was a drop. Yep. And he's got to make in that a, catch. At a key moment. you got to make those catches. So I thought that, you know, Epps felt a little bit of a step slow, and I think that's due to an injury. Keanu Hill, I think he's always been pretty solid in his BYU career, but never been a number one guy. That's never been his ceiling. His his ceiling has always kind of been wide receiver three. He always gets the stats in these FCS games, but in stages like Arkansas, his name isn't always popping up as much, but he's a good rotation guy. Same with Cody Epps. I don't think he's a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver three, a four, a slot guy. But I think BYU seeing with Chase Roberts, seeing with some of these other guys, they're your top receivers in this group. The issue is when they were out, Lasseter, Marion, and Kingston played well. Too well to take off the field. Right. Those three haven't done anything wrong to say, hey, sorry, we got to give you, give you up for the other guys. And as long as they're producing, I think it's going to be hard for Hill and Epps to have uh, a big role in the offense. Cougar Nation brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Fee-only fiduciaries who help you live within your meaning. BlueBarnWealth.com. Taking a break. On the other side, we'll get to some helmet stickers. Dish out this, the the key performers. Who, who are they in that win over Arkansas? It's Cougar Nation. It's powered by KSL Sports. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Cougar Nation. on KSL News Radio. Cougar Nation, we're breaking down BYU and Arkansas. Cougar Nation is brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth, and we're taking your calls, 801-575-8255, breaking down the Arkansas game and getting your thoughts on where BYU could finish in the Big 12 standings at season's end. Let us know, but right now, let's dish out some helmet stickers. Cougar Nation, helmet stickers. Mitch and Matt dish out the stickers for BYU's best players this week. So many names to choose from, Mitch. It was hard to narrow it down to two, but I'll start things off. My first helmet sticker, we've talked about him a lot, but I was just so impressed by him. Parker Kingston. He completely changed the football game early with the kick return, then the touchdown pass. And then I think sneakily, Maybe the most underrated play of the game was it's tied at 31. BYU is backed up in their own end zone. It's third and 10. Can you move the chains and at very least flip the field, right? And they drop a call where they go to Kingston out on the edge, one-on-one, cuts back inside, gets half of his jersey ripped off, breaks the tackle, gets the first. That starts the drive going. It results in a go-ahead Roberts touchdown. They don't make that play. I'm not saying they lose. But that was a really critical moment in the game. Parker Kingston was awesome. You brought up the go-ahead touchdown by Chase Roberts. That, to me, 
uh, was the play of the night. Chase Roberts making that one-handed grab that he called a OBJ, Austin Collie-type catch. He was practicing it for years in his backyard as a kid. He gets my helmet sticker, Chase Roberts. Where do you think that grab ranks all-time in BYU history and some of the great catches over the years for BYU? I mean, I remember the Top 10 for sure, right? I think Cody Hoffman had that one against Georgia Tech where he's got a defender right in front of him. He snags it on the back of the defender. That was a good one. Austin Colley had some great catches against Washington. Puka's last year against Boise State. That one's the Puka one's a little above this one. I think so. That was a game winner, right? Yes. That, well, this was a game winner too. Put BYU up 38-31. In essence, it was it was the game winner. That's fair. Except so much happened after that, right. that catch. It was like a whole other football game happened. That that catch was fantastic. And the it was like made for a perfect picture, too. Just the, the way that BYU Photo was able to capture that moment, it was fantastic. Here's my other helmet sticker. Eddie Heckard. I thought that his fingerprints were all over this football game. He is a versatile defender, and his stat line really popped to me, Mitch. He had five tackles, four of them solo. So we're talking open field against SEC athletes. He makes the stop. Then he's got the sack and the forced fumble in the fourth quarter that Batty recovers. Now, they didn't do anything with that because I thought the play calling got a little Brandon Dominey back in 2009 <laughs> up at the hill against Utah. Yeah. Just shut it down. But, gosh, Heckard was great. And that was the first game, too, because we've heard so much praise from Jay Hill. That was the first game where I watched him. It was against elite talent, SEC-level talent. And I looked at him and said, I think he might be an NFL guy. Like, I think he could find his way onto a roster. That sack against Jefferson was fantastic. I just, I thought Eddie Heckard had a great game defensively. So many uh, defensive players did, but I thought Heckard was great. Another defensive guy for me was Tyler Batty. And I think, you know, him being the Big 12 Defensive Player of the the Week, well-earned. I voted for him on my Big 12 Player of the Week ballot. I thought he deserved it. That was the career performance we've been waiting for for so many years from Tyler Patty. I mean, I remember yep. when he arrived on campus, Kalani Sataki's like, he's going to be one of the greats. Kalani doesn't do that. We know that. He doesn't do that often for players. But when he does, he picks his spots. He's usually rarely wrong. And But that this scheme is highlighting him. The whole defensive in-group. I thought that entire defensive line, their physicality was noticeable. And even Zay Banya, I thought, had his best game yep. as a BYU Cougar. Jackson Cravens, an underrated performance that... It's not going to be a stat stuffer, but he was a run stuffer in the interior of the defensive line. I just like what's happening with the BYU defense, and it's amplifying and creating stars. BYU's defense in the past few years has just been a melting pot of mediocrity. There's been no stars that have emerged where you go, well, you got to have this guy because he's the linchpin of the defense. Eddie Hecker, Tyler Batty, Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, all studs right now. Yep. And But I thought Batty was great because you need great pass rushing I feel like he looks he looks healthier. He's he's trimmed down some weight. You can tell that's had an impact in his speed. I think nothing but rave reviews from from Batty. Who this meant this game meant a lot to him because remember last year against Jefferson he whiffed. Yep. he couldn't bring him down. And there was that moment when Bywater whiffed, and he thought, "Uh oh, right. this is 2022 all over again." But the defense bounced back and. Batty was a key piece of that. We're taking your calls, 801-575-8255. That's 801-575-TALK. And Jason from Linden, sounds like you got a question about that defensive line after a great performance, Jason. What do you got for us? 
Yeah, so I have a question about your opinion on this because they gave us a lot of handouts with the false starts and the holding calls and everything. I was wondering if you guys think that that's a, one, if that's a psychological effect of how well they did, and if not, how the BYU defense is going to hold up against the other Power 5 teams that we have left over on the rest of the roster or the, the schedule. Great question. Thanks for the call, Jason. And Jason, like many others, is now in the opportunity to win tickets for BYU and Cincinnati. So thanks for the call, Jason. To be honest, Mitch, I need to see it one more time before I say the defensive line is much improved. That Arkansas defense, uh, offensive line was not very good. And we heard it the whole time we were in Fayetteville. Our offensive line stinks. You might be able to get pressure on us. And that happened. And that's great. I'm not, I'm not taking away from BYU's defensive line. I think they're improved. Can they do that week in and week out? I don't know. And, and look, that's a lot better than last year. Because last year it was like, no, they can't, right? So I need to see it a few more times before I'm like, yes, this defensive line is legit. They're definitely improved. But that Arkansas offensive line was really bad. I'm putting all the chips in. They're legit. BYU's defense is legit. They're better than the offense. I trust BYU's defense way more right now than I do the offense. Uh, I just think Jay Hill is an excellent uh, X's and O's. He's going to scheme, and he's going to do everything in his power to get his defense in a position to win. You're going to give up points. I mean, we talked about this coming into the year where there's going to be games where you're giving up numbers, but you're going to make big plays, and you're going to make impactful plays. I'm buying into this defensive line, and I just think that they've got some good numbers, too. You're quietly seeing the depth build up a little bit, especially in the interior. thought Nice Samahi's been relatively quiet through the first three weeks. Uh, I think he's going to start to you know, Im- improve his play. You'll hear his name more going forward. I-, I just I like the options they have there, and knock on wood for BYU, they're staying relatively healthy. So you keep that up. This defense is going to be good. Jay Hill is doing wonders with the safeties, too, on the back end. I mean, they're down to Crew Wakely. He goes in, then he's out for after one play. I mean, yep. they just continue to produce. Tanner Wall's done a very nice job. He beat out Malik Moore. I mean, Tanner Wall is stepping in as your starter with Ethan Slade. Those are your starting safeties in the Big 12 walk-on guys, but they're making the most of it, and they're still 3-0. Yeah. Pretty impressive, and I think that I'm buying into this defense, especially on the defensive line. This defense is much improved. I just... Four sacks, that was that was an incredible performance. Can we expect three, four sacks every game? I don't know. I, I want to believe. I want to be the, with the you. The only knock is that the Big 12 offensive lines are pretty good. Kansas is starting this week. Very yeah. good offensive line. West Virginia's got a really good offensive line. There are good old lines in this league, but I'm buying in. I, I just I buy stock in this in Jay Hill. I, I would not doubt that guy. I just think he will find a way to get it done. Are you teasing the next segment here? What's trending up? What's trending now? We'll get to a break. News, traffic, and weather, and we'll get to that next. You're listening to Cougar Nation here on KSL News Radio. Cougar Nation. Touchdown. Cougars take the lead. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. Welcome back in. Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, as you heard, 6 to 7. Here on your legacy home of the Cougars. Hey, if you want BYU updates throughout the football season, text BYU to 57500. You'll be on our text line here on KSL News Radio and KSLSports.com. It's time to size up the latest trends in BYU football. Cougar Nation, trending. What's trending up and what's trending down this football season? We do this every single week on Cougar Nation. 
what's on the rise, what's on the downslide. We'll give you our thoughts. And, of course, we're taking your calls, 801-575-TALK. You can chime in on the Arkansas game. You can let us know if you think BYU now will be a, a top five finisher in the Big 12 and why. So we're looking forward to taking your calls. And if you get on the air, you got a chance to win BYU versus Cincinnati tickets. And uh, spoiler alert, they're not bad tickets. Very so, good. So if you don't have tickets to the game, give us a call. Get on the air. Give us your thoughts. And you'll have a chance to win those tickets. That game's coming up. That's the next home game. It's uh, it's at the end of this month. So uh, t- time is running out for you to win those tickets. I'll start things off. Uh, what's trending up for me, Mitch, is the clutch play of Keaton Slovis. I know his numbers weren't great because you look at them and you'd say 13 to 25, 167, two TDs. That's all right. That's okay. Nothing special. But he made so many critical plays in the second half when they needed them. That ball to Keelan Marion that set up the Chase Roberts touchdown pass, that was a thing of beauty. And I thought he was like playing next-level quarterback in the second half because you could see him on that play, survey the field for a beat, and then looked over, single coverage, throw it up. On the Chase Roberts touchdown, he talked about this, a pure progression play. One, two, three, come across the field. There's Chase Roberts. I got to put in a place, touchdown. I just He made so many great plays. That was a game to me where I felt like, his experience is coming through. His talent's coming through. His love for the game is coming. He's like having fun. He's making plays. He's not getting rattled. He took a sack in the fourth quarter and just came back the next drive. Not a problem. Like, And I, it really makes me mad too, Mitch. There's that third down. It might have been second down, like second and seven, where if they just get another five yards, they're in third and short, and then maybe they get the first down and they can run the clock out. Why didn't they trust Slovis to make a play? And that's they go negative, then they miss the field goal. I thought Slovis played great football, even though his numbers weren't great. Really impressed with him. I think his stock is trending up. Through three weeks, only one interception, too. And you look across the country, over at his old school, Pitt, who basically ran the man off and said he wasn't a leader, said he was really nothing, and he wasn't good enough to play at Pitt. They're struggling. They can't produce any points, and Phil Jerkovic's been... Just terrible for him, and he's playing. He's reunited with the OC that worked with him at Boston College. So maybe it wasn't Keaton Slovis's fault at Pitt so much. So Slovis has done a nice job for BYU and taking care of the football, which is critical for BYU. For me, trending up, Jay Hill uh, leading this defense. I just think he's worth every penny. I mean, reportedly getting over a million dollars in salary. He's got a lot of different hats. He's the DC. He's the associate head coach. He's a safeties coach. He has his hands all over this BYU football program, but he's well worth it. And I just think that his intensity and how and how much he the competitiveness he's brought to the BYU football program. I mean, you go back to spring, Matt, everyone was earning their job, re-earning their jobs. And he was if you weren't get cut out for it, what he was gonna bring in, he was probably gonna recruit over you. And he didn't have that type of conversation because you can't just say guys, you're completely gone, but it was like, hey, this is the reality. This is where you see if you want to play, this is the situation. So I just think the the competitiveness that he's brought to the defense, and I just think that what he brings scheme-wise just aligns with BYU and the type of personnel they can get on the recruiting trail and in the portal. I mean, I thought A.J. Vongfachon underrated, but 10 tackles against Arkansas, he plays with so much violence. The way he hits, he was smacking people. I loved the sound. I mean, you could hear in the open-air press box in Fayetteville, you could hear a few of those 10 hits uh, up in the press box. I thought, we just again, 
a resounding uh, improvement all, all across the board. Everywhere, everywhere you look on BYU's defense, it's because of Jay Hill. Trending down for me, and this isn't because he's played poorly, is Keanu Hill. I just Where does he fit into the mix right now? I know he's, he's great in the blocking game, and he had that touchdown against SUU, but you look at those top four guys at Arkansas, they all played well. Darius Lassiter, Parker Kingston, Chase Roberts, Keelan Marion. How do you fit Keanu Hill, and you could even add Cody Epson here. Yep. How do you fit them in? Because you can't take those other guys off the field. They were too good. They're too reliable. And so I just feel like, man, that was a game, too, where Epps was available, Keanu Hill was available, and they didn't see a lot of time because the other guys were playing well. And that's something I love about Fessy Satake as the wide receiver coach is – he wants to play four to five guys, and whoever those four to five guys are in any given game, that's who he's going to give run. And and against Arkansas, Parker Kingston clearly earned his keep, and he stayed on the field and kept making plays. So trending down for me, uh, Keanu Hill, not because he's playing poorly, but the other guys are just playing so well. I don't know how he fits in. I love, though, Keanu gassing up the my cell phone video after the game <laughs> coming up. Let's go, man. Let's go. Uh, trending down for me is also on a personnel front, Malik Moore and Aiden Robbins, just simply because they suddenly got beat by younger guys. And Malik Moore's might be more shocking because they were he's, – he's a – you know, beat out by walk-ons. You know, it's yep. not injury-related uh, for, for him. And let's get out to the phone line. Throughout Cougar Nation, we want the voice of you, the fan, heard on this program. Let's get out to Andre from South Jordan, who wants to talk about Aiden Robbins. What's on your mind, Andre? Hey, Matt and Mitch. Uh, so this has been probably the one thing that I've just thought about the most just in terms of how puzzling it is. You know, because every report coming out of spring ball, out of fall camp, is that Aiden Robbins is the clear-cut number one uh, running back on the depth chart. You know, and and just how impressive his skill set is, how impressive his size is. And really, there wasn't any talk about him really being challenged for that starting position. And from game one, he is just nowhere to be found. And it's just, it's very confusing to see that happened where he's just getting no gameplay whatsoever. And I mean, after, you know, three games and how LJ Martin is running the ball, it doesn't seem like he's going to get his starting job back unless uh, heaven forbid there's an injury. And so I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts on that and how could the reports on that just be so opposite of what actually is occurring in fall. And then perhaps what kind of impact that might have on transfer portal players when they see people, you know, are players that come into the program expecting to play only to get benched three games in. So, uh, anyway, great job, guys, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Great call, Andre. You know, I think a couple things. With Aiden Robbins, the reports, I feel like in fall camp, definitely it's a complete 180 from what's what was being reported in fall camp. Look, everyone, even including the show, we were bought into the Aiden Robbins hype. But I think what's happened now in college football is that, you are seeing a lot less patience for the develop and bring them along. When there's getting money attached to things, I know coaches aren't factoring stuff based on NIL, but there is so much money involved in this sport now. It's kind of like the NFL where it's like, are you produce, you're as good as your next game in a way. Uh, and if you're not producing, there's no time to wait. And with this schedule and how difficult the schedule is by BYU standards of past, and you're not performing against Sam Houston and you're not having success against Southern Utah, there's no time to wait. 
and the guy behind him, L.J. Martin, who was coming out of fall camp, deemed one of the best players in the program by Aaron Roderick, there was already that known confidence that they look at him as a star running back of the future. They, they wanted it to be the future, but the future is now because he was producing right away. And I think there's a lot less patience now with how much, you know, things are so fluid in Power 5 football. Like, it is not a sport anymore where you can just wait a couple years, let it build up. you got to produce now. And if you don't produce now, uh, there, there's no time to wait. And I think when the impact on transfer portals, I don't think it'll have much effect at all because – BYU still has produced a pipeline of talented running backs, and you also look across the board. There's wide receivers, Darius Lassiter, uh, Keelan Marion, A.J. Vongpachan on, on linebacker, impact transfers that have had a lot of success early on. So I don't think it's much of a worry when it comes to the portal. I just think it's it might be. It just hasn't worked for Aiden. They want it to. I mean, the guy's a great dude. I mean, MBA student at BYU. He's everything you want in a student athlete, but it's just – Hasn't worked. My only issue on the Robin storyline is, and I, look, I don't think the reports were wrong at all. That, that's the way it trended. Obviously, they got the feeling in the Sam Houston game that he wasn't producing, and they made the switch. My only pushback to that is not enough of a sample size to completely pull the plug. He's only had ten carries in three games against BYU, and so look, his his rushing average isn't great. It's two point nine yards per carry. I just feel like ten carries is not a lot to say, oh, you're not producing yank. So I have a little issue with him still not getting some carries, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that LJ has produced. LJ has deserved to get some carries. Don't get me wrong. I, I And I love what we've seen from LJ. I just think Aaron Roderick sometimes can pull the plug a little fast on guys, and I think that has happened here with Aiden Roberts. Well, I, I just think that the plug can be pulled on coaches so fast, too. And, and, and there's a little bit less patience for for players now because there there's money involved now it's not huge money I mean, i'm not saying all these byu players are making just tons of money and they're just sitting sitting on the hog and they're rich as can be no but all 123 of these players now are making money there's a team-wide nil deal now that's from pax it's on the field you see the players wearing that that brand i mean they are getting money and when you bring money into things like hey you want to be able to enjoy that uh, starter type attention and money potentially. You got to earn it every single snap. And I just think LJ Martin, the co- competition, you want to set a standard in this first year in the Power Five where you're competing for your job every single day. I think it's a great message. And if you're not performing, you got to, you're going to go to the next guy. I mean, because that's how it is for coaches. They'll go to the next guy. If you're not performing, I mean, I think after week one, a lot of people are ready to can Aaron Roderick. You got to, it's just, that's how football is. You, It's the ultimate anticipation sport, and you only get 12 days to deliver. They're so critical. And even though it's only three weeks in, that's a fourth of the season's already done. I mean, that's, the time is flying. You got to act now. So, I, I see why BYU made the change. We'll take the break here. On the other side, we're going to get to some more of your phone calls. We'll get a quick look at Kansas, and uh, we'll take some more calls. Blue Barn Wealth, fee-only fiduciaries who help you live within your meaning. BlueBarnWealth.com. Stay with us. Cougar Nation. The Cougars picked it up, and in overtime, they won it. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. And every Monday at 6, we're taking your phone calls. Cougar Nation brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. 801-575-8255. Get on the air, and you will be in the pool of qualifiers for the BYU Cincinnati tickets, which we will give away next week. So 
believe this is the last chance to... Can we squeeze people in next Monday before the we game? We can do that. We can make it work, I think. We'll have, to, we'll have to check on that, but I believe we can do that as well. Let's get out the phone line. Welcome in Jacob from Santa Quinn. Want to talk about the BYU defense? What do you like or, or dislike about this BYU defense, Jacob? Uh, so as I was sitting watching the game, I was with my boys, and I, I just kept feeling like uh, Kalani was holding out on us until this game. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny because the transformation from last year to this year is just amazing. So that's my first input on that. Um, secondly, I wanted to get your guys' take on the reputation of Nevada, what, what it's been this year, um, and when they played Kansas on Saturday. I just found that so intriguing um, because maybe there are some points that BYU could look at on some maybe um, some strengths that BYU has over Kansas and maybe some what, what kind of scheme BYU will put together after watching that film. Do you guys um, – is it part of BYU's uh, uh, scheme to watch the – to watch that film from Saturday against Kansas and Nevada. Well, good stuff, Jacob. Uh, you know, when it comes to that Kansas Nevada game, you know th- these BYU coaches have been scouting out the first four opponents since about May. I mean, they they start diving in early and even in spring a little bit with the first couple of opponents. Jay Hill even said that he was sizing up some Big Twelve teams back in April, but. Uh, you know, that Nevada game, it's hard to get a – I honestly was underwhelmed by Kansas in that Nevada game because Nevada's had three, even four different quarterbacks already this year. They've had a lot of different quarterbacks due to injury, and they struggled against Idaho a couple weeks ago. So a little bit of underwhelming performance for Kansas. I know late-night spot, they're not used to that fourth television window typically for them. But I will say this about Kansas, and one thing – and Kalani touched on it a little bit earlier today when I asked him – Kansas maybe has one of the most complex offenses BYU has faced since Coastal Carolina in 2020. Their scheme is nuts. Kansas, they do things that you've probably never seen in a college football game with that multiple pro-style attack. They'll bring in so many different motions. I mean, it is a, it's a wild offense, and I'm curious to see what they unload and maybe what they held back for this BYU game, knowing what they did against Nevada. So uh, it's an interesting matchup, BYU and Kansas, that's for sure. I think the good news, something I learned from this Arkansas game relating to the defense, is Jay Hill will make the necessary changes quick. You think about, your, you know, we talked about Malik Moore trending down. He takes a poor angle on the A.J. Green long touchdown mm-hmm. run to start the game. It, it Gone. See ya. Yeah. We're going We're going another direction. It, it didn't wait till the second half to do that. And you even saw uh, in the second half, you saw Eddie Heckard on multiple blitzes. One of them got home, forced a fumble. So whatever Kansas throws at BYU, I feel confident in saying Jay Hill and this defense, they'll adapt quickly. And that is, uh, that's really nice because I felt like in previous years, there wasn't enough willingness to change things quick enough to make a difference from the previous defensive staff. Back to the phone lines, Phil from Lehigh. talking about the defensive time management. What, what do you have to say, Phil? Hey, guys. Well, first off, I just wanted to give Max Tooley tons of props. I thought he was so clutch so many times throughout the game. And uh, probably if we had to pick one play of the game that just brought it home, it would be uh, Max Tooley uh, interception and yeah. several of his defensive plays. But I did want to ask your thoughts on the uh, 
the clock management there. We had what our our last offensive drive when we just kind of puttered out and then missed that fifty yard field goal. What 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 do you think about that? I mean, what 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 should we have done different? Uh, it was pretty frustrating. I was I was there at the game, but man, it was a it was a frustrating one to see us pull the pull back on the throttle when I feel like we could have closed it out right there. Yeah, I don't know if it was so much time management as it was conservative play calling. I yeah. just felt like they got way too conservative. They were not close enough, and then to double down on the play calling, why was every run out of the shotgun? Like, if, if you were going to run it to just maintain your position of field, why are we in the shotgun running a wide sweep where the line can't hold the run on the right side and you lose six yards? I just, to me, that was not so much time management because there was a lot of time left. You still needed a couple first downs to run out the clock. If you had just stayed at the 27-yard line, that's a manageable field goal for Will Farron. Then you push it all the way back with two negative runs in a row, and it's a 50-yard kick, and that's hard for a guy who's never been a college kicker before on the road. So I just thought uh, time management, fine, no issues with it. Play calling, big issues on that last drive. 801-575-8255 if you want to get in before we get out for the week. We got till the top of the hour, so a few minutes left. 801-575-8255. Matt, do you think BYU could finish in the top five this year of the Big 12 Conference. First year, first time since 2010, BYU's going to play in a conference game. Feels pretty cool for the Cougars to be back in the league and let it be a, a Power 5 conference. That makes it even more special. Do you think they can finish in the top five? The Big 12 is pretty weak this year, it seems like. I do, actually. They've, they've kind of changed my tune a little hmm. bit. And some of that's the conference, because you look at Iowa State should win that. Cincinnati should win that. West Virginia is winnable. Oklahoma State, yeah. I feel like you should win that. So there's a lot of games that were coin flips that I would give a slight lean to BYU now. I'm with you. I mean, I think there's a, there's a path. and You have to win all of your home games. At least the only one that might be a loss is Oklahoma. But I still think... With Oklahoma, their schedule has been pretty weak so far. They've got an explosive offense, and I'll give them that. I mean, that offense is looking legit. But against says SMU, though, they only had 14 points going into the fourth quarter, and no one's looking at SMU as this juggernaut. So hey, I'm even still waiting on Oklahoma. Even your Longhorns look beatable. Yeah. <laughs> The Pokes I, I, I had like it they, tied in the fourth. I feel like they were just kind of mailing it in and just thinking, uh, the two weeks it. in a row they mailed it in? I think Texas was just kind of feeling themselves like, yeah, we'll, we'll just show up and beat these guys. And then they turned it on and then scored 21 points yeah. quick. I, I, Texas is legit. I just think that the Big 12 is saying, hey, BYU, they're poking the stick at BYU. Maybe Kansas State, please do something and don't <laughs> let it be Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 title. But look, if BYU can finish the top five, that would just be incredible. For BYU. I mean, throw a parade, let Cosmo dance with his cougar tail if they're out in the streets. <laughs> it would be amazing. But I, I think there is a path, though, because of how weak the conference is looking yeah. in the back half of the league because some of these losses for the conference were, were not good over the weekend. And you can check out a full recap on first and 12 on kslsports.com. The home game is a good point. Got to win those games. Mitch, good stuff today. Uh, cougar Nation, thanks for the calls. Join us next week, 6 to 7. And we got extended pregame coming your way at 9 a.m. From Lawrence. So do not miss that. We'll get you ready for the Cougars' first game against a Big 12 opponent. We'll see you on Saturday. Have a good night.